Hey, welcome to the 17th episode of the Toots Talk Movies podcast. We've had a little snow here in Charleston, Illinois, but what better movie to talk about than one that gives you the shivers? Yeah. We're talking about The Shining. Yeah, great pun. Yeah. Uh, Cam, would you like to give the actors and the director, please? Indeed. The film stars Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, and Danny Lloyd, and the one and only Stanley Kubrick directed this thing. You want to give the plot synopsis for us? Of course. So, Jack Nicholson's a father and a husband, and he's writing, and a and the author so he's booked like this hotel so he can write this book and focus but uh it just doesn't go as obviously it didn't go normal it didn't go the way you expected because with that there would be no movie so yeah it's cold outside snowing and eventually he uh, murders his family so you know we get that whole process tries to at least he does try to he doesn't murder his, yeah yeah tries to good point but yeah serial killer in the uh, making I guess I'll, I guess I'll start uh, by just um, giving a little history of kind of the behind the scenes thing because I think that uh, I know you don't you didn't know much about this movie before you watched it. Nope, hated it at one point. I didn't hate it. I never wow. watched it, but. Drew knows more about this stuff, about this than I do. Yeah. So he's gonna um, take so, get going yeah. to school. So um, basically, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I don't know if you've seen most of his movies. Uh, he's a very kind of strange director. He picks a lot of strange like stories to tell. Yeah. I've and seen he, a in like mostly the cinematography and just everything. The whole vibe. He has a, some sort of like weird aesthetic to most of his movies, but he's also kind of a lunatic because he made. I believe there's a scene. Um, the scene basically when Jack is uh, threatening Wendy up those stairs, that long take, mm-hmm. um, when she finds his papers where um, oh. all work and no play makes Jack a, a dull boy. Yeah. But um, that was t- uh, that shot was done a hundred, oh God, I can't remember the name, a hundred or the number, a hundred and seven times, I think. That one shot? Yeah. Just to find just the papers? Just No, just oh, the oh. whole one take was done a hundred and seven times. Something around there. And um, it's like kind of well known, at least for some people, that like he treated uh, Shelley Duvall, who plays Wendy, absolutely horrible, to make her like actual to like make her scared like behind oh, the scenes. Oh, so I thought he was just treating her like trash. Just well, no, that no, that, that too. I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, it was that too. But I assume that like that's just not how you treat yeah. your actors here. But yeah, like they, it was really grueling to make it. I heard just because of how much of a perfectionist he was. It's a great word, grueling. Exactly. God, um, I know. Um, <laughs> And then there's another scene, I believe it's when, um, oh gosh, the guy who leaves, uh, Crothers is the actor's name. Uh, yeah. Uh, I can't he, remember. His he was name. a cook. Uh, yes. And when he's talking to Danny, the son, uh, just in that kitchen where he's basically mm-hmm. explaining The Shining, basically, um, that scene also took like pff, close to like 80 takes. And reportedly, I don't even know if this is true, but um, that guy, the cook, he apparently like, broke down to tears behind the scenes just because like he was... Stanley Cooper just kept doing it over and over again. So yeah, it was pretty much a, a nightmare behind the scenes. And uh, I'll conclude it by saying when this film came out, uh, it actually didn't do very well at all. Like it was oh. a, it was a financial failure. It uh, p- people hated it. It was not good at all. But then as the years gone by, I guess. I don't know why. I guess people just watched it and they just respected it more. I don't know if it's because Stanley Kubrick. Um, it. I. I honestly don't know why because he made like a bunch of like well-known movies beforehand, so I think people just didn't see it as a good film. Yeah, I'm looking at the bunch of his whole. What do you call a uh, filmography? Yeah. Um, I didn't even have to say the whole. Oh no, you're good. No, you're good. Man, <laughs> we're on the same page. Anyway, I'm looking at a bunch of these. Uh, 
of his movies, and most mm-hmm. of these are like 50s, 60s, and this one came out in the 80s, so it was kind of surprising that this mm-hmm. one didn't do good. Yeah, it was really uh, surprising. Um, I guess another thing to m- mention before we kind of just jump into like the story and cinematography and everything, uh, this is an adaption off of a Stephen King book, and um, Stephen King usually works pretty like hand-in-hand with the people making his movies. Um, unfortunately, uh, this is, I think he I, he's quoted by saying this, this is like the worst adaption of one of his books ever because of how much Stanley Kubrick just changed everything. Uh-huh. And yeah, he changed a lot of stuff. I, I don't even, there's a miniseries that came out in like 1997 and Stephen King was, I think, a producer and they made it more true to the book. It was horrible, um, but it was absolutely terrible. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of conflict and drama between Stanley Kubrick and Stephen King because Stephen King wasn't happy with that but if my in my honesty I, Stephen King was a little on the uh, the the drug addict side when he wrote most of his books so maybe some of the changes Stanley Kubrick made was good I don't really know I haven't read the book and I'm not going to <laughs> but yeah we can there's the history lesson guys um, we can jump into our thoughts on it I guess we can start with just the overall story what do you think of it I think I didn't like it, you know. It, God. <laughs> Drew. I talked that long and then. The, yeah. Then so here's the thing. I, when I, when I finished it, well, Drew and I talked a little bit before. That's usually how everything goes. Like, I'll see Drew and then we'll just talk a little bit about it. And then we said like 20 times that, uh, we're just, let's just save it for when we record. But he told me there's a bunch of fun facts about, uh, about the, about stuff going on behind the scenes and mm-hmm. like everything and theories and stuff like that. So I'd said, I have an opinion on my just my personal like just the movie itself and then I feel like it'll be better by the time Drew tells me all the cool stuff and you know some of the stuff he already told me I was like oh man didn't even pay attention to that regardless though I didn't like it uh, it's, really, <laughs> it's really slow in my opinion it doesn't get good until the last 30 minutes and by that time super ready to turn it off I started this when corn when COVID started turned it off halfway not even halfway I think I started I think I got 30 minutes in I'm like yeah this is moving way too slow kind of done with it then Drew said yeah let's talk about this week so I'm like, ugh, now I really have to sit down and watch this. <laughs> Fell asleep three times watching this. And I got a phone call for about an hour. Went back to the movie. Fell asleep again. That time for the night. So I finished this about two hours. Like, I don't- so this is going to go great. <laughs> we are off to a fantastic start here. Yeah, it's really, it's going to be good, though, because Drew and I usually agree on most on most films but this one's kind of this one's different and i'm looking for i'm looking forward to all the new stuff i'm going to learn about this but drew what do you think about this um well it goes without saying cam (laughs) that i know quite a bit about the movie um this movie's also up for a lot of speculation in terms of certain themes and stuff that's going on but i think we'll we'll get to that later so right now we're just going to talk about the it as a film set aside all the other crap basically what that's put with it but with the story it's very simple just it's a very simple story uh just about a family who just goes to the hotel and uh he's like jack nixon's character jack is uh just a caretaker just until past the winter till the spring and then they'll open it back up and i just want to say that i thought the hotel itself i think it was filmed in oh my gosh is it alaska i don't think it's alaska uh, where the hotel is like actually and when they i just think when you first see the hotel i like how it's kind of it's not winter yet it's a little bit in the fall so it's like kind of warm and inviting in a way colorado colorado alaska what is wrong (laughs) with me um but yeah um 
just the environment of the hotel it's really like nice and like kind of welcoming at the beginning when they move in and bright colors and everything and people are around and then just like that boom it is as soon as everyone leaves this hotel is like the creepiest thing ever and i think the movie goes at a good enough pace with the time stamps that is happening where it starts out i believe like each day like monday tuesday wednesday yeah but then was... but then all of a sudden you go a while without a time stamp and then boom it's like three weeks later or something like that yeah just so you can see like the how like just how much the hotels get into them and how much like basically it's like cabin fever basically with the winter storm coming in um in terms of characters uh which we'll talk about the acting in a minute i think the characters were i can i can be a big man and admit mm-hmm. that the characters were not really that greatly like they weren't very complex if that makes sense like I like the acting and everything and they're doing a good job I just think that they're very one note especially Danny and Wendy and I mean even Jack to a certain extent but I think that sometimes gets overshadowed by Jack Nicholson's performance if that makes sense I'd agree but how oh, complex is a child supposed to be more than that <laughs> <laughs> more than that I mean yeah, if if you're gonna be in a movie with Stanley Kubrick, I expect yeah. you to be a little more. I don't know. Cool. Cool. Just, just interesting. Just yeah. interesting. Not just standing there like a dead body. Yeah. For a while, but yeah, like I say that, but for the most part, like this is probably one of my favorite movies, more on the technical aspect of it and how it was made. Because uh, I guess I'll ask this next. Um, so, what do you think of how it was filmed, like cinematography and just uh, like visual choices that Stanley Kubrick made? I think him and Wes Anderson have like the best. Like I've said this a million times, but anytime you throw a bunch of colors at me on the screen and make it symmetric, I'm like all for it. So he did that a lot. This hotel was pretty bright, and the color palette and scheme were like the best part to me but uh yeah that's pretty much all i have to say uh camera work uh i'm taking a film class right now so like i'm pretty much gonna be an expert come may because my teacher is like telling me all the cool like technical stuff stuff. shout out to drew Britton. absolutely yo gonna get him on here one day hopefully hopefully uh but (laughs) but uh yeah, uh, I'm learning a lot about how cameras work and like different type of shots to make. I mean, on the more technical side, but I can appreciate that stuff a lot more. I mean, I already appreciate it because I like the f- I like film, so I obviously have to learn like all that stuff. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'm just appreciative of everything that yeah. I'm seeing. What about you? Um, well, I I w- this is probably and this might be a hot take. I don't really care. Um, but this is probably one of the my opinion the best filmed creatively movie I've ever seen in terms of like there's certain like shot choices that they make especially one in particular that like I love is the uh, shot where Jack uh, is looking down at like this diagram of the maze oh oh. like simultaneously like while uh, his wife and his son are walking in the maze outside and um, which by the way the maze the maze wasn't in the book at all that was inclu- Stanley Cooper just added that which I just wanted to add because I forgot about that up until now but yeah he's looking down at this diagram of the maze and he looks down and the shot right after that is like a shot over the like diagram but as you get closer you realize that it's of Danny and Wendy just walking back and forth and then it cuts to them in the maze and like just stuff like that where it's like you didn't need to do that but that was a creative way to do that because I can imagine with a hotel you're inside the whole time so you you gotta like find a way for it to be creative on how to shoot things Mm -hmm. and I think that he Stanley Cooper does a good job of like for example, when Danny's like riding his little, uh, little Tri- bicycle, yeah. ra- tricycle, you could have had like him just like a stationary shot of him just doing it. But they decide to follow, f- follow him behind, and 
I'm going to try my hardest not to just go on rambling of different <laughs> scenes that I love. But with that scene, I also like the audio, which we can kind of just bunch together with the cinematography. Um, it's just like the, oh, with like him on the carpet. Him, and stuff. Yeah, him on the carpet and then on the wood floor. I feel like I love that little bit because it's like, it makes you so uneasy because it's like, yeah. Or like, I like, don't know. It just, you know what I mean? It, it just kind of gives you a weird vibe. By yeah, it. like you think something's about to come up, but it kind of b- makes you think like something's gonna jump out or something yeah. like that. And then, and um, they, and the, oh, sorry, you could go. On. No, you're good. Like uh, he hits these. He like goes around in, in corner, I guess circles, but he's just going around like a the lobby. A, yeah. So you always think this next turn something's gonna be mm-hmm. there. Someone's gonna be there. Like something's not gonna be there. Like something unordinary is gonna happen every time yeah. he gets that turn. Uh, and uh, as you were saying about the colors, I think that the red and white colors, especially uh, in the main lobby, uh, mm-hmm. I believe in the bathroom. The bathroom, which yeah, I, that's that's what I mean by that. And then just like the, I like that there's a little like balance there where it's like the hotel's very pale in the lobby. Yeah. But in the beginning, it's very bright. But as the film goes on, it just becomes more and more pale as the winter kind of gets more and more like just wintry, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so by the end of it, it's just like you're just in like such a such a downer like tone to it you know and uh the carpet in that scene mm-hmm. where Danny's playing with that ball and it's uh just that pattern I don't know there's so many vibrant colors and just like environments in that hotel that just make it so visually like has a variety of visuals that you can just latch on to and so I think cinematography wise it's like very it's very interesting that's kind of the best way to describe it. it's just interesting and not really something that's been done since Mm-hmm. You know, I'd agree, especially in an enclosed space like that. Um, what do you think? Um, also, the quick zooms. Do you notice the quick zooms? Yeah, there were a couple. Yeah, like when, he, Dan, when uh, Dan, what's his name? Yeah, Danny's. He's like he first sees the twins, I believe. Yeah, and then uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, but there's a quick zoom at the end that we'll get to. Drew uh, has like a million and a million and one things that he wants to tell me. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to find time for that. Uh, we might go a little over. Hope you guys are okay with that. Uh, well, we're doing it anyway, so we strap in. Um, so, what do you think about the? I guess we can mix it together, the characters and the acting. Gosh, that... What's his wife's name? Uh, Wendy. Wendy, yeah. It's terrible. Terrible? I didn't like it. I mean... She got a Razzie Award for this. No way. Yeah, she got a Razzie. Everybody hated her performance in it. I wonder who else was... Up. I wonder who else was a nominee that year. Who knows? Anyway. 1980. I don't remember any movie that came out. Yeah. Caddyshack. But yeah, that was... Yeah, her... She got an award for... Yeah, that was... This was... This wasn't good. This wasn't it. Jack Nicholson. Well, do you know what the Razzies are? Absolutely not. Oh, you... Oh, my God. <laughs> The Razzies are basically the opposite Oscars. Oh. So they were rewarding her on doing a horrible job. Oh. <laughs> that was a real one. I wish I wouldn't have said anything. I just let you go on and just didn't even know. Absolutely not. Man, uh, oh, didn't M. Night Shyamalan get one of these for Avatar? I hope so. That's director. I ho- I, or like, worst director. I hope so. He deserves it. <laughs> the man. Oh, my God. That's a whole separate thing. That's a whole other episode we could do. But, yeah. To, you should watch to, Avatar. To somehow like, get back on track. Man, somehow. that was what What do you think of the writing and the acting? <laughs> That's or hilarious. the characters and the acting? Uh, gosh. I mean, that was funny. <laughs> All right. Jack Nicholson, he, uh... I don't know. None of them like really stood out. It was weird. So I mean, I guess that was like the 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 way he was trying. The uh, Kubrick was trying to go with it, but mm-hmm. it wasn't anything too impressive. I mean, his uh his arc 
uh, Jack's arc was pretty cool because he starts off kind of normal. Then he like progressively gets worse. Like mm-hmm. his wife's disrupting him writing, and he's like, it starts off passive aggressive. Like if you see me in here, do not come in here. Leave me alone. And yeah. then at the next time she comes in there, he's just full on telling her. Yeah. And then it gets worse and worse. And at the end, he's trying to kill her. So that part's good, but the acting in itself. I didn't really care for Wendy was kind of annoying her voice but she had pure intentions you know she Mm -hmm. just wanted to bring him a sandwich while he's working but god forbid right yeah yeah, just just let the man write Um, but yeah I I think that while you say that um, the progression of Jack's uh, character kind of throughout um, in the book I'll keep resorting to the book because this is just what I watched on a YouTube video I didn't read the book so (laughs) Um, but in the book, it's said that he's like more normal, if that makes sense, and there's a more of a progression. Obviously, when Stephen King writes a thousand pages, <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. I feel like this movie changes that, where they make him kind of, kind of just weird at the beginning. You know what I mean? Like the way he just treats yeah. his family weird, and we learn later that that he was he he uh what did he do? He hurt Danny. Oh yeah, he and liked- he, he used to have uh, a drinking problem, or still does. Yeah, which you know, and um we just kind of get this sense like oh he there's something weird here and Jack Nicholson is just a weird looking guy so it fits um I think that's a little too quick though like he's so quick to be like why don't you just let me read and get the get out of here and uh I think that initially was a little too quick but then after that there's kind of a slower progression on him like going like all right uh, pick up the axe I'm yeah I'm going I'm going for it right here here. but um I think Wendy and Danny's acting is kind of Jack Nicholson's acting is good. It's entertaining. I wouldn't really call it good. It's just there's some scenes where he's really good, like the bar scene. Yeah, just talking to him. Yeah, I think that's really good. I just think that sometimes um, it's a little too cartoonish. But really, honestly, if he played it any other way, I don't think this movie would be as memorable as it is. I think it's he, the camera was like directly in his face. It would look like he's talking to us, too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty good. Yeah, cool. yeah. So there's really not a lot to say in terms of like the characters. That's what's strange, like how popular it is. But it's like there's really nothing to complex about the characters. Yeah, it's probably all the discussions probably come from like the theories yeah exactly we'll we'll get to that don't worry this movie I watched it last night and it said it was two hours I'm looking it up now it says two and a half is that like a different I think it's two and a half I believe it is I'm not sure I could have sworn it said two hours (laughs) did I like watch the like yeah it said look Oh really? Wow. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll we gotta talk about the bathroom scene. Uh, the here's Johnny scene. We gotta talk about that. Yeah. Have you, you want, ever seen that before? For this, for watching that? Yeah. I've seen. Uh, I mean, just like the scene itself, not within the movie. Mm-hmm. But I have seen. I, yeah. This another thing. This movie's like really iconic because like these crazy shots that they have, like the one in the snow when he's just like there for like he died. Spoiler. Well, it's like <laughs> forty years late. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty cool. When a movie can have like one thing where you know it for, like that mm-hmm. one scene with the with the axe, and then with the twins, and then with him in the snow. I think that's really cool because you can like think of something and then everyone just knows it off the rip mm-hmm. for for like forever. Yeah. But yeah, do you want to get into all these? Yeah, we can jump into. It. We're definitely gonna go over. Um, just yeah, a half bit. an hour. <clears throat> so um, basically um. Which, before we'll do that, let's talk about the ending. Uh, You said he dies in the snowy snowy maze after he decides he's going to try and kill his wife and son. So he's chasing Danny through the maze. um, And while he does that, he gets completely lost. And Danny straight up just, like, backtracks him and finds a way out. And him and Wendy get into, like, a little, I don't know, a cup cadet. And just just get out of there. 
<clears throat> and then um, he freezes to death. But then as at the end of the movie, we just get this uh, picture that shows a ball uh, that happened in like 1921, I believe. And in the center of the picture is Jack in 1921. And uh, I think before we go into the thing, uh, the theories and stuff, I just kind of want to hear what what do you think of that? What what do you think? So uh, I don't know. I didn't have any thoughts because honestly, at that point, I was trying to get it over with. Like I was just watching it, just like gosh, and I you don't know how many times I've clicked the screen just to see how much time I had. Oh wow! But uh, I obviously there's some like psychological behind or like psychological uh, whatever, just to like like oh man, he was actually here the whole time. But throughout the movie, he's like talking to there. What is it like? A, like a what do you what do you call him? Like a butler? Is that what you're talking about? I guess so. Uh, and he's just or a waiter. I don't know. But, oh, the guy in the bathroom. Yeah, I think he's just a butler, something like that. Okay. Well, he well we well we learned that he was the caretaker before Jack that murdered his family, the twins. Yeah. Murdered his family in there before Jack got there. But throughout the whole time, he's or not the whole time. There's a scene where he's like Jack, like yeah, you were here and like you mm-hmm. you died or whatever. But. I'm assuming that's the only connection. Obviously, Drew's gonna tell me something completely different that, like, like gonna blow my I, mind. I surprisingly don't have a lot to say about it. To be completely oh. honest with you, I I would say I like the ending because it kind of leaves you with this weird like, okay, kind of thing to it, and I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the best thing I can describe it or explain it to be is just like he once you once you once you lose your mind in the hotel and everything and they like all the entities ghosts whatever you want to call it get to you you're, ba- you're basically like a part of the hotel forever so basically um, he's just his ghost or whatever he is he's just part of the hotel like we see throughout the whole thing the twins the butler um, just other people who, who uh, they see throughout the movie um, they're basically trapped in just mm-hmm. this like hotel basically so he's just forever a part of the hotel that's kind of what I jog it up to um, it's definitely confusing because you're just like well wait what is that who's flickering the lights yeah <laughs> exactly Nosferatu um, um, but yeah once we say that we can jump into the oh you had a question yeah I do oh so, okay alright so if this takes place so do you know if it takes place in 1980 it does yeah okay then so what time if it takes place in the 80s and he was there in the 20s like who what what really happened? What I well what I think is like I mean he killed his family. Sorry to cut you off. He killed his family, mm-hmm. but like how long after is is this like a hallucination you're, or like a dream? You're, you're saying Jack Nicholson killed his family? The guy before him killed his family is what you're saying. The guy before Jack killed the yeah. I'm assuming that butler. Yeah. His kids were the two twins. Yeah. Then this is Jack Nicholson's story. Mm-hmm. Is this past or present? Or is this the future? Or I, like it, a dream? I would say it's present, but I think there's this idea that like once you're the caretaker, you're basically like the host of the entire hotel, and you're basically just the sole point of all these things like get into your mind to make you do these murderous things. And once you kind of get lost and you're completely like taken by the ghosts or the entities, then you're like forever part of the hotel. So you're forever the host until someone else comes along, you know. And it's kind of like a passing of the torch. So like in the bathroom, okay. the guy goes, "You're the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker," and so. And Jack kind of looks at him like, what? Like, there's kind of this weird, like, I don't know, kind of weird kind of thing where it's like, 
every time someone gets completely taken over by the hotel, they're just they their soul is like forever part of it. Okay. And um, that's the best thing I can do. I know Stanley Kubrick was probably snorting cocaine before he got yeah. on set and thought of this. <laughs> like, yo, you know, it'd be crazy if he like worked here. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it definitely is. I think it's really surrounded by just making you go, "What the heck was that?" I don't think there's really an idea there. Probably. That, I wonder if that's how most. Uh, I wonder if that's how most things go. Most movies, albums, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just let's just. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, and I think I read something. I read a little bit before uh, we started recording, and it was like he just wanted to mess with people because everyone has like these crazy theories mm-hmm. that like, oh, this connects. And you were telling me a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, like this connects with that, and then like I think someone wrote that you know he just didn't have a plan. He just wanted to see what like people mm-hmm. could draw from this. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think we can jump into the little things that people really don't know about the movie. Uh, I'll start off by saying that throughout the movie there are certain things that disappear, if that makes sense. So, like, one scene, there will be a scene where Jack is talking to Wendy when she comes and brings him the lovely sandwich that she does, and he's talking to her, and there's a chair in the background, and it'll cut, and it's gone. And it'll cut, and it's there again. And uh, people basically will look at that stuff and be like, oh, my God, they did that. That's so cool. I am 100% (laughs) sure that that was a complete mistake because it's like, it's, it's... there's stuff like that and the typewriter changes like colors and like a completely different kind of typewriter by the end of it. Okay. Yeah, so at the beginning it's gray and at the end it's like blue. You think that was on accident? Yeah, I think it's just a mistake. I People say like, oh, he did this for that reason, which I know reportedly Stan Kub- Stanley Kubrick, well, it's not reportedly, people just, it's how he was. He's just kind of a psychopath in terms of like perfection. So like, but I, why would you do that? You know, like it doesn't make any sense. But um, that's kind of like my little soapbox on the matter. But as you're pulling up that video and you get, yeah. <laughs> you see it, uh, I'll jump into some theories. So the most well-known theory about this film is that it's Stanley Kubrick is basically the one who filmed the moon landing in 1969, and he basically confesses it through visuals in this in this movie. For example. Um, one of the most well-known ones, I guess, is when Danny wears the Apollo 11 uh, sweatshirt when he's in the hallway with the cool carpet. Uh, and they, the reason people think that is because he did that, and I know there's a whole list of videos you can watch on YouTube, but the Room 237, there's a whole thing where uh, Earth is 237 million miles away from the moon, so he did that for that reason. Um, like, jeez, oh, there's so many. Um, there's just little things throughout that kind of references the moon landing, like Apollo 11, all of that. Um, <clears throat> there's another theory that says the place was built on an Indian burial ground. And that's why all these souls kind of get trapped in the thing. Because when you look into the lobby, there's a bunch of, like, Indian, like, culture, kind of, like, shag, kind of, like, yeah. uh, like skin of, like, animals or whatever. And there's a bunch of, like, Indian, like, pictures throughout the place. And they were saying, like, the only letter that's, like, was it The Shining, like, the, the cover, the only letter that's, like, in color that Mm-hmm. has something to do with like I guess Indian culture is the letter N and yeah. that like connects with something and that's like a letter or something there mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know specifics but I saw no it. yeah and so a lot of people think that about it um I think we had a discussion earlier about um the bear scene um, yeah what? where basically Wendy uh goes up uh, she's trying to find Danny throughout the hotel and she looks over and it's a bear it's a guy in a bear suit <laughs> And um, 
if you know the scene, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to explain it, but there's a quick zoom, and it shows him and a guy, uh, a bu- another butler. Yeah. Getting it on. And, um, and then Wendy runs away, um, holding the knife like an idiot, like she does the entire time. Um, and we're just never really shown why that is there. But my theory, my personal theory, is because um, <clears throat> at the beginning of the film, we see Danny with a, a bear pillow. Uh, when he, when they're back at their like old home before they move into the hotel and, and he like has he's talking to his finger and then the doctor's there talking to him he has a bear like right next to him and um, you kind of get this vibe throughout the movie that Jack is might be like abusive in like a sexual way if that makes sense yeah like when he's talking when he walks in his dad's just like oh just like looking like staring off and he walks up and he's like talking to him you get this very weird vibe where Danny's just like petrified of him and he's just very weird towards him and so my personal theory about it might be wrong whatever but I think that that part kind of symbolizes that bear and kind of symbol and what they're doing in that scene kind of symbolizes the abuse that Danny like experienced from Jack if that makes sense. Okay. Just using the bear connection. I might be wrong. Stanley Kubrick might have just went bear pillow. Sweet. It was two cents at the thrift shop. Let's buy it for the movie. And I'm, look, I'm looking at it now. It says that's what it does symbolize homosexuality and sexual abuse. But uh, yeah, like that's the. And then there's also the the elevator of blood. There is. That's, yeah. They said that's like the slaughtering or like the genocide of uh, Native yeah. Americans. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of like symbolic kind of things that like are just kind of in the environment of the hotel that you can take multiple different ways. Uh, I was actually curious. Do you have like any questions about certain scenes that you didn't understand throughout? I'm not going to say like I'm a, I'm a shining expert. but like, He is, clearly, because he's informing me on several things. Um, Yeah, why... Why, if his name's Jack in this movie, is this like a nickname? Why does he say, where's Johnny, if his name's Jack? So basically, the reason he says that uh, is because I used to think that, too. Uh, <laughs> that sounded so condescending. But, <laughs> but um, You know, Kim, I was once a, a, <laughs> a unaware viewer like you. Um, but basically, when he does that, uh, back in the 1980s, uh, the late night host uh, was Johnny Carson. Okay. And something he would uh, always say when he came out was, here's Johnny. And that was like a real pop culture thing, I guess. Uh, and so, and that was improvised by Jack Nicholson, by the way. Oh, okay. And so when he does that he says here's Johnny that's kind of his like that was just an improvised line by him um and so he did that which I I'm surprised that like I feel like Jack Nicholson just had so much clout going into this movie that he could just do whatever he wants you know what I mean yeah because like so many things have got to be improvised like I think stuff like that when when an actor or actress is like you know I think this will work better because you know the average like actor will just go with whatever Mm -hmm. they're told to do so I think having that freedom is cool I I think before we end this episode there's one scene uh, that I just remembered in particular that I'm not a fan of like at all really what's up Uh, it's the scene so basically throughout the whole movie you kind of get this vibe that you know nothing really happens to where you're like oh it's ghosts you know there's a lot of like uh, assumptions saying that it's just in Jack's mind like he's just going crazy because of cabin fever because of the winter storm mm-hmm. but then uh, Wendy locks him inside the um, the kitchen uh, or the pantry yeah. after you know he follows her like all the way up the thing and she hits him in the head which I love that scene just I wonder <laughs> um, and he's talking to like this ghost of Grady who is the uh, the guy who was the caretaker before him the butler mm-hmm. guy yeah and he basically says like you have to go kill them and he's like okay I will and then all of a sudden you just hear this the door open and I hate that part because it just completely ruins the entire is it in Jack's mind kind of thing and it basically just says yeah this is ghosts you know it kind of betrays yeah. the whole thing of the movie yeah. 
like the whole like idea that, like oh this is just in, is it in Jack's mind or is there actually ghosts it's just like no it's just ghosts yeah, you know fair. what I mean yeah I, I get that I was kind of curious like I thought you were going to go on the route of uh, like how do you get the door open so easily you know like a, I don't know what, how do you get the door open so easily? I mean, I think I would I would have liked if he had some sort of struggle. If he himself did it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but it was just like I'm talking to a ghost, and I'm out. Yeah, you know? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like. That. I thought you were going that route. Yeah. But, but I, I do like the scene literally before that when, um, and I watched a behind the scenes video. I promise I'm gonna be done rambling here soon. But, uh, there's a behind the scenes thing where, and like I said, Stanley Kubrick was a perfectionist. But he's literally just walking around. And he's like, what could we do for this shot? What could we do for this shot? And then he just lays on his back, and just points up, and uh, he goes, that should be good. When oh. Jack, when Jack is like putting his hands on. The the pantry and he's yeah. talking to Wendy that was literally just like a yeah let's do that and he's like okay cool uh. which I was because that's like I love that shot too because it's just like like completely like you would never thought to do that I feel like especially in like a tight pantry yeah thing like that no, yeah um but yeah I think oh red rum that that bothered it didn't bother me but it's so stupid like (laughs) that also okay uh there's a lot there so basically at the beginning of the movie danny is talking to his finger uh which he calls tony now some people think that that's just him kind of coping with the abuse he had and it's just an imaginary friend he has blah 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 Mm -hmm. a way to cope you know you could say that i think when there it's hard it's hard because like you don't know why they did it because he just kind of he's been in a funk ever since he got here mm-hmm. and it's because he has the shine which we really didn't explain the shine uh what it was we got two minutes into the movie yeah and it never says it again it's basically when um you can see what's happening simultaneously for in like a different location or you just get a feeling a sense of like something bad's about to happen so the um cook that danny talks to has it as well and so he sees like that you know something's bad about to happen Jack's about to go murder her, so he tries to get back to the hotel. But, um, yeah, Danny has that ability, and I feel like the hotel kind of, like, takes over him, and he's, like, he starts yelling red drum in the most annoying way possible. Seriously. Just so annoying. And I think that might be, like, (sighs) kind of... Tony, like he says red drum because I think it plays off the Tony as his like other half kind of thing. Okay, red drum. Yeah, which is like, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, but, you know, which it's pretty much an iconic phrase for the movie, but I think when you like watch it in the movie, it's just so stupid. It's so stupid. And then he randomly comes out, he randomly comes out at the end. It's like, murder. And then they flip the camera, they put the. The kid wrote it on a um, on the door, and yeah. then they put the camera on a mirror so it reflects backwards. And, I'm, and they zoom in like it's so cool. I'm like, I mean, I guess it is kind of cool because I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of it. But then they show me like, oh, okay, he's been saying this the whole time. It's like, what what could we do to make this scene so much cooler? Let's write the, <laughs> the backwards of murder. I don't know. It's very strange. And then it leads into the bathroom scene. Yeah. With the whip pans that I really like, and Jack Nixon, Jack Nixon used to be a firefighter, so that's why he was so good at axing the door down. Just a little, just a little fact for you. Dan, you have like a million and one. I know. Uh, also, also, I don't think Jack Nicholson has ever looked young in a movie in his entire. That is true. Just like Morgan Freeman, he, he looks old Jack all Nicholson the time. Looks horrible. But um, yeah, uh, what would you give this movie, Cam, out of five stars? <laughs> We're going this. Who oh boy? Who oh boy? It's not as bad as you think. Okay. <laughs> Zero. No, but two and a half. Two and a half. Two, okay. and, a, two yeah. and a half. Uh, I, I'm, 
I might watch this again. Not anytime soon, though, because, gosh. <laughs> you got to get some rest. You know, this was a long two and a half. I don't know why it showed me two hours. If this, I don't know. I wonder if there were any scenes missing or what. Oh, but Maybe it's some, maybe something to do with the, you know, oh, yeah, symbolic. For the longest time, though, for like an hour, I thought this was the Sixth Sense scene. He's like, I see dead people. They're everywhere. I, I was like, man, where is this? I thought this was where it was at. But then I realized, oh, yeah, no, that's a whole different movie. But, yeah, what, what would you rate this out of five? Um, Well, last me two years ago, I would have given it a five out of five. But if I'm being completely honest, I'd probably give it a four out of five, maybe. I I could agree with you. It's kind of rough to watch. It's not a movie I watch over and over again. And I don't think it's all that scary either. You know, my mom used to tell me this was this like, oh, you can't watch that. It's too scary for you. You watch and you're just like, sure, mom, that's great. Bears. Um, Maybe it's because, like, it's a man. I don't know. Maybe because it's realistic. I guess for maybe. the '80s. I don't know. They weren't doing like, like super demons and stuff. Yeah, I think it's just so eerie. Yeah, it just has such an eerie vibe to it. But I, I can admit, like, while all the visuals, the audio, the music, and all that stuff is good, uh, acting is okay for the most part. I just think the characters and like they just don't do it for me. You know, they're just kind of like, okay, it's a wife, it's a family. You know, he kills him. You know. Yeah. And it kind of just makes it kind of less. You know, that's just kind of my only gripe with the movie in terms of that, and so I think I bumps it bumps it down to a four out of five because I am I have a god complex. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, do you have any final final thoughts about that? Are you surprised with how much I just completely just regurgitated out to you about that? Very much so. I am just. <laughs> I feel like I should I should read a book on this. You know, you think there's a book on this? Like you can read the shine. You can read the shining by Stephen King. Uh, Fifteen hundred pages. <laughs> oh, with the <a> prologue. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, won't be watching that. Watch, won't be watching this or reading that because uh, I'm sure there's like. I just feel like it's gonna be draining to read that book even more than it was to watch this movie. You'll see us next week doing a book review over the Stephen King, <laughs> The Shining. Gosh, yeah. I think another reason why this was scary is because you got two little girls. Like talking at the same time, you know, then just walking slowly. I think it's that eerie effect thing. Yeah, but yeah. I'd probably be scared of that if I saw that in real life. <laughs> I hope. I hope so. <laughs> I'd, I'd be scared if I saw a bloody elevator and yeah, that's just a, Jack Nicholson in general. Honestly, have you seen him now? <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a that is a good fact. I probably but, would be scared of that too. But yeah, but yeah. All right, that was our seventeenth episode uh, to just talk movies podcast over The Shining. Uh, join us next week where we'll talk about a new movie that probably uh, won't be as scary as this one. We'll see you next week. Peace.